0: Welcome to Awakened and Alive After 40, a weekly podcast about stepping outside of the box and into a life that is true to who you really are. We're your hosts, Dominique
1: and Carrie, two 40-something-year-old friends and
0: coaches who are on a journey to live the second half of our lives with greater flow and ease. Our passion is to guide and support our clients in becoming their most authentic and aligned selves.
1: We love digging into a variety of topics and sharing some of our insights and
0: perspectives through our coaching lenses. We both spent the first half of our lives trying to fit into a box only to realize we were burnt out and searching for a better way to do life. We are here to remind you that it's never too late to start
1: living your best life. Let's get into today's episode. We are really excited today because we have our second guest on the podcast. Crazy! It's one of my favorite people in the world,
0: my sister, Casey. I am so excited for this because she happens to be one of my favorite people in the world as well.
1: (laughs) So obviously I know Casey because she's my sister and we grew up together. But Dominique, how do you know Casey before today?
0: Well, I know Casey through... You And what was really great is when I first started my coaching business, I know you and Casey had conversation about life coaching and working with one. So you kind of directed her my way and we really, really hit things off pretty quickly. I like to think so. Casey, and it was just so great working with you on a few particular areas, which we can certainly talk about today if you're okay with that, but it was just wonderful meeting Casey through you, Carrie, and of course, getting to know Casey a little bit better outside of our coaching together has been super fun too.
1: Yeah. So just a little background, Casey. She is three years younger than me, so she is also in her 40s, but do you want to tell us a little bit about your experience working with a life coach and how that process was when you and Dominique worked together?
2: Yeah, definitely. And I think our very first meeting together, I actually reached out to you to kind of pick your brain around the process of becoming a life coach before I actually used you in your life coaching for my life, like (laughs) as a client, because I was at a point in my life where I was really questioning if I wanted to continue in my current career trajectory. And I remember my sister talking about you and how you were taking this turn, career turn. We had similar backgrounds in terms of working in the healthcare system, and I was just questioning if that was the right fit for me. And so that was really fun and exciting, and that was my first also exploration of just who am I? What am I supposed to be doing? What would be the most fulfilling? And yeah, then I met with you a couple more more times as a life coach. And I think I, you asked about the process. So I think I looked you up on your, your website and was able to, you know, meet with you. And it was always just so refreshing to feel, you know, understood and to feel like you had some tools to help guide me in discovering, you know, who, who I am and how I can best contribute
0: to the world. That's, Oh, that just gives me all of like the goosebumps. <laughs> I just have this huge grin on my face right now. And yeah, it was super interesting to connect with you, Casey, like you said, based off of, you know, cause I reached the point in my life where I wasn't happy in my career as a physical therapist assistant, and I wanted to contribute at a deeper level. And then when you were expressing that same kind of stuckness in a way Like it really just spoke to me and it was wonderful to connect with somebody else in the health care field that was experiencing similar, you know, symptoms of burnout and overwhelm and just, you know, lack of independence in a way, because insurance controls so much of what we can do with whether it's patients or whatever area it might be. And it was just refreshing to kind of be able to talk to someone who was in the same space as, you know, I was and still, you know, currently am because I do work part time in physical therapy because I love it so much. But a lot of it, like you had said, was, you know, based around discovering who am I like, what am I here to contribute? And that is just like my happy place is working with people in those particular areas.
2: Mm -hmm. And I found working with you, you know, something in particular, because I have done traditional therapy on and off, you know, throughout my life and found at least the therapists that I tended to work with had an approach where you, you know, you're focusing on what's going on with me or what's a dysfunction and how can I fix it? And even trained as a nurse and a nurse practitioner, my brain naturally does that because we're trained to find the illness and what to do to kind of make that better or fix it in a way. But working with you was so refreshing for me because it's more strength space. I found like, what are your gifts? Where are your strengths and how can we, focus on that more so it was this paradigm shift for me instead of in a way you know relying on my inner critic to say well this is wrong but i'm going to fix it it's like what's really amazing about me and how can i use
0: that more That's awesome. That is Mm -hmm. so fantastic. Yeah. Recognizing where your gifts naturally lie. And, And I think also is recognizing that just because we don't present or act a certain way, that doesn't mean it's wrong or it's bad because, you know, kind of like our whole thing with this podcast is stepping outside of the box. You know, we put ourselves in these boxes trying to fit in with everyone else when in reality, you know, these little quirks or, you know, things of ours that we maybe don't like are what make us very special in other ways, too. And I'm curious to hear, Casey, because, you know, Carrie and I will talk a lot about, you know, root cause of things, especially like for myself with the anxiety that I've worked through in my life and have worked through with clients. What is your take on with you being, you know, nurse specialist with getting to the root cause? Like you had said, you know, when you did therapy, it was more of like, okay, let's, you know, look at what's wrong and address that, but getting to that deeper level. Cause I know you and I were doing some of that deeper level work as well. And I find just nowadays, it's, it's hard to maintain the focus on, not just masking and treating symptoms, but actually getting straight to the cause
2: no, absolutely i I have so many answers <laughs> for, for this question. The first that comes to mind is recognizing some of your belief patterns that are creating limitations. and one for me that that took me a while to uncover was just this idea that creating happiness, especially with my job was out of my control. There was this sense of powerlessness and a little bit of kind of victimhood. And it's, you know, of course, you're going to stay stuck if you truly do believe that you don't have agency over your own joy, you know, so that really, you know, was incredibly helpful. But then something else that comes to mind is when I worked with you and really got in touch with, my anxiety and what that was, even from especially from a somatic perspective, recognizing it in my body, and in I had to had you know a lifetime of trying to mask my anxiety to not make feeling anxious visible to anybody else, and that is exhausting, and can sometimes just come out as irritability. So I felt like that was you know, I had to accept that and come to terms how that irritability was affecting some of my relationships. And you were instrumental in helping me be kind to those parts of myself and my anxiety instead of feeling shame around it, you know, so changing my relationship with that feeling of anxiety in my body. That's, that's just been revolutionary for me. I feel like also
1: a change that I've noticed is you are in better or closer contact with your own intuition, which I know is something you've intentionally worked on. Can you tell us a little bit about how, like if you do any specific activities or anything that helps support that ability? Because I think it's something that all of us don't really know how to do well is Mm -hmm. use that body signaling to follow our intuition rather than the mind signaling, which is what's keeping us sort of stuck in a, a fear space. Definitely. This is, I am, I'm still
2: learning this because for those of you familiar with the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram type six. And so fear, I heard once a quote that rang so true for me That for type sixes fear is what water is to a fish so you don't even realize how you're experiencing the world is constantly through this fearful lens and again admitting that to myself and you know not not having shame around that has been incredibly helpful and for me you know of course you're you have moments of time where you need to differentiate fear versus anxiety but on a more a broader level the more i have been able to get to know myself and who i am and become more self aware it's more like oh that's i can feel intuition now I mean, I don't know if I could ever have said that until the last six months where I've had some experiences that seem like they don't make sense to other people or that me a year ago, I never would have done. For example, I worked for one semester as a nurse educator at a very prestigious university and ended up quitting after one semester, which... Nobody does, but it felt like to me, that moment just felt like the wind was blowing me and I was kind of just like a leaf and there was no other option, but to just move in this momentum that I wasn't thinking about. And again, as a type six, I mean, my brain is really amazing when I need to be solving problems or thinking analytically, but it can be my worst enemy when I am trying to make a decision or get in touch with my intuition. So that's another component for me that's really essential is saying that my thoughts are not who I am, but my thoughts, you know, sometimes a thought's going to go by and I can observe it and Hmm, you know, that that's interesting, especially if it's rooted in fear or anxiety, kind of, oh, there's there's some anxiety and just kind of then
1: let it go, let it let it pass. Do you think figuring out your enneagram type was an important part of this journey for you and allowed you to have these revelations or do you think it could have happened organically without that
2: that's a really interesting question it's hard for me to imagine it happening honestly without without coming to terms with my enneagram type and of course you know i'm careful to not use it as a script for who i am of course but like i said even it, even hearing that quote about the fish with water and not even having any awareness how much of my life I was living in a fearful paradigm. and now that I have that awareness because of how much I've learned about myself through the Enneagram, you know, it then becomes a a tool for how you can show up differently in the world instead of just going through life completely unaware and, you know, unaware of how you're impacting other people or unaware of what's driving your decision-making and and that sort of thing. So I feel like I was discovering who, or my Enneagram type rather, I was meeting with Dominique. I was reading some other self-awareness content. I was trying to get in a routine of meditation all at the same time. And it has, it's just opened up. It feels like it's opened up the world, but I guess morely it's opened me up to exist in the world.
0: Oh my gosh. That is just so beautiful. Thank you for sharing all of that, Casey. That's not easy to talk about by, by no means the struggles with fear and anxiety. And I love that just kind of in a nutshell, it seems like, you know, gaining this greater awareness in general is kind of like what leads all of us to this transformation that we are often seeking in our lives. And it's about getting out of our mind, getting out of our head and getting more into the present moment, into our bodies, which, you know, Casey's saying with the the meditation, with the work, the somatic work that we've done together, it's so incredibly crucial to be able to find that safety and connection within your body and in the present moment, because I get lost in my head and my mind as well. And every one of us has this natural just reaction of automatically trying to think our way through something instead of feeling into it, which of course, the intuition being connected to that and I feel like intuition is something that is probably a lifelong journey for us to understand. Like I'm still trying to understand mine as well. And, and the fascinating thing is that not every person has their intuition speak the same way. And I think it's so crucial for us to have a better understanding of how ours speaks to us, because it's not always going to be like that gut instinct or, you know, this little ping of some light bulb going Mm -hmm. off for you. And I know you and I have talked, Casey, about the intuition versus fear when you were making the shift in your career And that was very much a scary thing for you at the time because you were kind of stepping out into uncertainty by trusting that you know what is going to be best for yourself by tapping into how things feel. Would you say like that was probably one of the more challenging things that you've had to work through recently? The
2: career decisions or tapping into?
0: Well, if you kind of like look at both of them, what would you say? I'm just so curious. Like what was kind of a scarier step was the shift in the career or the shift in trusting your intuition and just going for what felt right?
2: Right. I mean, I think they go, they've gone hand in hand for me because what i discovered about myself when i was trying to shift careers is i was still trying to do it from in my old patterns where i didn't trust myself so i was Asking close friends who know me pretty well and getting their perspective. You know, I met with you, but if I was honest, I probably would have preferred if you just told me what I should have done. (laughs) Just give me the answer. Yeah. And I was going at one point through all of this, I was, you know, seeing a traditional psychotherapist and she you know same thing i was you know wanting someone to choose for me and i actually my partner and i had seen this therapist for some couples work as well and i ended up passionately voicing something that i was really upset with her about and the long story short we had a conflict and that moment was one of the first time that I feel like one, I kind of stood up to myself to uh, like, she's not an authority, but, you know, somebody who I'm like paying for a service. So that was really important in the process. And then I, I ended up not continuing to go with her. And at the time (laughs) I'm in school and I was taking a philosophy class. So again, at the same time, I had this, something clicked for me where I just said, why did I think this person who doesn't know me knows what's best for me? Like something in that. So I don't know if I'm answering your question directly, but it was so intertwined, the process of picking the career. And then something that was holding me back was thinking that other people knew what was best for me. And I feel it, it seems so logical and kind of funny to say out loud but for 40 years i truly believed that someone else had the the key that i was looking for even though it really had nothing to do with them
0: yeah no that makes total sense absolute sense and i love how you said like it kind of just like clicked and i i find like with my clients even myself especially recently, something just really clicked for me and I knew that was what I had to do. And it was a huge shift and I've seen it with my clients. And a lot of the times that's how it happens is you practice, 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 you know, tuning into what's coming up for you may not work, you know, the first 20 times. (laughs) And then all of a sudden it's just like, boom. Okay. This is This is what I need to do. Or, wow, I'm actually not fearful of this thought or this next step. I'm going to go ahead and take it. And a lot of the times, again, that's how I see it play out. And I'll often get the question like, okay, how do you know it's your intuition or if it's fear? And the simplest way that I kind of see it and explain it is that your intuition is going to be like right there in the moment. It's not going to be a thought process. It is going to be something that is sitting within you that is like speaking your truth, like a little voice of some sort. And that fear aspect is going to be something with the future. So fear is quite often the majority of the time having to do with future. And so if we can kind of differentiate between like an in the moment feel emotion versus something that is stemming from a thought for the future, then, you know, that's, that's also where I work on with myself and my clients of distinguishing the difference between an intuitive, you know, kind of feeling versus a fear that's coming up for you.
2: No, absolutely. I think that's definitely true. Like when I mentioned, you know, my my brain has so many stories and so many thoughts and it can run down so many what if patterns and, and that sort of thing. And that absolutely is linked with fear. And then I think those thoughts can contribute to the anxiety, which is often that feeling of the racing heart and the fast breathing and the knot in the stomach. Um, you know, component to that. And yeah, I mean, I, I remember I'm kind of, you know, going back to what we're, we're talking about with really trusting yourself and, you know, trusting your own intuition and, and that sort of thing. And as, after I had that click that I mentioned, it's not like for me, all of a sudden now I know how to do this. You know, I've been faced with Several decisions since then. And I could feel that urge, that habit to be like, what would this thing, you know, and have to talk to that part of myself and say, like, this is all you. And to really teach myself and those parts of myself to take responsibility for my life, which I hadn't (laughs) done before, especially having a big sister. I mean, we talk about this a lot. And we were pretty close growing up, you know, we sometimes have periods of closeness and periods of, of fighting. But, you know, she mentioned she's three years older, but she was my, you know, really my North star. And I felt so safe with her that if she showed me the way I would be okay, my life would be good, I would stay safe, I would be secure. And she's been such an amazing sister to me and role model. Yeah. Cause if you were, you know, went down a a different path, then maybe you wouldn't have had that role, but I always did, you know, admire you. So what was it like for you being on the big
1: sister end? Well, it's funny. I was thinking as you were saying that we were so close, especially once we were both teenagers, we especially got close and we've had different dynamics where one of us is a little more codependent on the other where it's shifted where I've been more codependent on her for whatever reason and vice versa but we haven't lived in the same state since 2001 wow so it's like we had this super close bond but and I don't think it was necessarily it definitely wasn't conscious for me but I just really had an antsy feeling after I finished college and wanted a new experience and an adventure. And so I moved out of state. And since then, we haven't lived in the same state, we have different wants for where we live. Casey lives in Florida, because she really loves the warmer temperatures and isn't a huge fan of the winter weather up north. And so it's interesting, we've maintained a closeness through that. But I think the distance I try to imagine if we had stayed in the same city, for our lives that we probably would have remained as codependent on each other as we were when we were teenagers. And that built-in distance helped foster independence in both of us. We still talked on the phone all the time and asked each other for advice. And like Casey said, she would always consult me before any decision up until the last year, I think. And she's had some big life decisions regarding her career Within the last year, and she hasn't been telling me until she makes the decision. And it's been such a cool experience for me because A, I just see her growth and like she's so confident now that it's really inspiring. And it's fun to talk to her after the decision. Like, it's like I don't have that older sister role where I'm. Somewhat of an authority, or I'm telling her what I think is best. It's a, like I'm, we're on a more even playing field now. Oh, that's that's
2: interesting to hear you put it that way, and yeah, that makes sense. And it just you know, going back to, I was so unaware. I probably just would have said we're just close, you know. And that's when you're close, you consult with each other, and that's what you did. And I, I really was, I just had no idea that that could be a limitation because it has so much. I mean, having closeness with somebody is, you know, important or having a confidant, right? So you would hear messaging like that of use your support system. And I'm like, I'm just using my support system. And I had a therapist say to me once refer to me as dependent, or, you know, if I had to diagnose you with a personality disorder, it would probably be dependent personalities. And I was like, what? what? Dependent? <laughs> what? And now I look at that. And that's so funny. I had, I lacked such self-awareness around that. And it, maybe it was because of the shame, shame around my anxiety, shame around, you know, the thought of being, you know, dependent. And that's just such a huge, for me, that's been a, a really important point of growth is being able to see those parts of you you don't necessarily love, but saying it is, it is what it is. And it served me for a while, but now I'm shedding that skin. And yeah, I think our, our relationship has definitely grown and changed for the better. And I, I often bring that back to the Enneagram
1: as well. Oh, for sure. I mean, we've navigated conflict since really learning deeply about our own Enneagram types in such a healthier way, because we understand, because you know the Enneagram fairly well, and I know it well. So we understand each other's conflict styles and motivations and fears and where we're coming from. And we've realized, you know, as sisters who are pretty close in age, people would always tell us like, you're so alike. And we would be lumped together as a unit growing up but we've realized we have a lot of differences in how we approach you know these these bigger aspects of life and it's really helped us be a lot more intentional and productive through those disagreements or whatever. Yeah what was
2: it this morning we are even commenting on they're talking something having to do with this where you said you said that were you hiding who you were growing up because I kind of said that I would just go along with you and you said did you not speak up and I said I wasn't hiding who I was I had no idea who I was I had nothing to hide I was shaping who I was to fit in with you to mold with you because that's kind of all all that I knew yeah and you know so that's just. Always interesting to reflect on. Are you comfortable sharing any of our
1: conflicts? Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean they're <laughs> hilarious now and like so silly. Do you remember the one that, but like the one that revolutionized kind of when we first learned our enneagram? The one type? about the gifts, the mother's Day gift. That's not the one I was thinking of, but you can share that one if you want. So we had always taken turns so i'm an enneagram type one which we tend to be very rigid and structured and inflexible and like perfectionistic and we had for years gotten our parents joint gifts for gift giving occasions birthdays christmas mother's day father's day and we had always done every other event as the gift giving person like who was giving the gift and taking care of the logistics of it And so it was Mother's Day and it was her turn in my mind because we had just unspokenly taken turns for years. And so she had texted me, are we doing flowers for Mother's Day? And I said, yes, thinking this was her cueing me that she's going to do it. So the day before Mother's Day, I was like, let me know how much I owe you for the Mother's Day flowers. And she was like, I didn't get the Mother's Day flowers. And I was So mad, but any grand ones don't, they know they're mad, but they try to bury it because it's wrong. And it turns into resentment, which is exactly what happened. But she knows me so well that she called me out on this. Like, she's like, I can tell you're mad. And this was all through text. Like she could tell through my texting style that I was mad. Was that the one that because
2: you were like throwing
1: in emojis and I'm like, this is way too cheerful. (laughs) Yeah, I was overdoing it, (laughs) trying to cover the anger. And anyway, long story short, I was mad. She didn't think she had no concept that we were taking turns because she didn't have that rigid scheduling in her head the way I did. She's like, I had no idea it was, quote unquote, my turn. And anyway, it was revolutionary because... It's like the first time I really, truly experienced that not everyone thinks how I think. And I was really aware of it. Like her brain isn't even thinking about this situation and process the way mine does. Right. I was approaching it, you know, hey, are we doing this? And
2: I thought that meant we need to decide who's doing what part of the logistics because, you know, you never know what the other's experiencing and where I tend to approach things like as collaboration and let's just collaborate every time to make sure it's working for everybody. And you're like, even Stevens, like, let me was, look at my spreadsheet it was my time last time. <laughs> and you still owe me three cents from the one before. And yeah, it really was wow. shocking to you. When like, and you said, this just makes sense. Why wouldn't everyone want to do that? And I said to me, that feels like I'm suffocated and like in a prison to have that much. I mean, I like structure, but I'm like that much feels so confining to me. And you're like, what? (laughs) And having to kind of like,
0: this is so fascinating to hear, (laughs) like, because obviously Carrie and I have been collaborating for a little while now, and it's just. And this is what I love so much about systems like the Enneagram is that they bring so much more awareness, not only to your own particular ways, but others. So it strength, it can strengthen relationships. It can strengthen compassion, understanding, acceptance, and it's not written in stone, but you know, taking these little pieces like you guys have to better understand each other and to, you know, have a stronger relationship with one another is just so incredibly just fascinating to me. And I just, I love to like how different you guys are with the, the structures and the systems and seeing that kind of merge together and just like a nice, calm understanding space is so refreshing.
2: Definitely. And it's been helpful for me, me as well in self-awareness. The one I was thinking of was I was, you know, kind of going back to the era where I had first met with Dominique and I was really unsure about my job. And sis was my go-to sounding board. And so I would, call her and, you know, just start by kind of perseverating. So I'm thinking about this and what do you think about this? And what do you think about that? And what do you think about this? And, you know, blah, 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 blah. And she was kind of a little unresponsive to me. So like I was picking up this vibe that she wasn't really wanting to engage with me. And so I like to just be direct. I want to know where people stand and that doesn't bother me. And so I just said, like, sounds like you're annoyed or something to that effect. I don't know if you can correct me if I'm wrong on this one, but, and that upset you because you felt like I was being critical. So then, you know, you're like, I'm not annoyed. I'm like, clearly you're, you seem annoyed. And we ended up getting off the phone and kind of having a fight about it because I'm just like, I know I can be annoying that like, I'm a human and I just want, just say not feeling this now or, you know, whatever. So that's helped too. But I also had to become aware like, oh, sometimes it's not a good time for her, for me to just unload everything I've been holding in my brain, which is a relief for me. But I didn't realize that, oh, that can feel yucky to some people at the time, especially since you had done it our entire lives. I had no awareness that- you know what effect that'll have. So even now, knowing the day you record the podcast, I'll like send her a Vox message of like, here's a quick update. Know you're recording your podcast. And, you know, because she just wants to reserve her, you know, emotional energy, her voice, her all of that, you know, for her for her podcast. So me kind of learning some boundaries around what feels good to you and knowing sometimes my directness can feel,
1: critical or can feel what would you say I don't want to speak for you yeah you're definitely naturally a more direct person than me but yeah I think the Enneagram type one like sensitivity to criticism for sure is at play there but what you were just talking about leads beautifully into like the difference in our human design types which Mm -hmm. Dominique (laughs) and I have talked about she and I are both projectors and Casey's a manifesting generator and so yeah like taking on all her energy. I didn't realize that's what was happening, but that's exactly what was happening. And I had to learn to set some boundaries and like, be really honest with her and tell her if it wasn't a good time for me, or I just didn't have the capacity in that moment. And I'll let her know when I do. How was that for you? Did that, did you feel apprehensive at all? No, I think because we had done enough, like honest work with each other and like communication, I felt really good about that. And you responded in a really positive, great way. Like you really appreciated it. So that reinforced like, oh, this is safe for me to communicate in this way with you. Yeah. Oh my gosh.
2: I mean, I would rather know than maybe doing something and inside you're secretly like, ugh, right. You know, annoyed or feeling a
1: certain way. Cause I'm like, Hey, we're close enough. Like you don't need to keep those kind of secrets, which that used to happen a lot, but I can say like, I haven't had that like feeling of, I just, I'm annoyed or I don't have the capacity in months, like probably over a year now.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. It's again, like one of those systems, like the Enneagram, the human design, especially I think because with us being projectors, Carrie, and you know, us making up only 20% of the population, we don't really run into many projectors. And I'm sure Casey, like as a generator, that energy that you have feels familiar because there's so many other manifesting generators and generators in the world. And then to have someone you love and care for, you know, have this different vibe where it's kind of like not shutting off, but can be taken sometimes a little personally where it's like, okay, I just don't have the energy for you today or the energy for this. And it's not a personal thing by no means. It can be tough to kind of build an understanding of that and like a respect. And I love hearing that you guys have been able to work that out and have like, I love that you send her the Voxer messages on days, the podcast, because on those days i try to minimize you know what i am doing physically and emotionally as well because i will not think clearly and it will affect my my state and i just i think that's such a beautiful realization and awareness between the two of you just how your specific energy functions in this world and within your own relationship besides understanding the conditioning side of it through the enneagram. The funny
1: part is is I think we had this unconscious awareness when we were younger but we didn't understand it or know how to communicate it because there was one instance when we were on vacation together and sharing a room and she was like talking to me as I was laying in bed and I just didn't have the energy and so how I communicated that to her was I said your voice is making me nauseous. Can you stop talking? (laughs) And so like, we were just really blunt, but like now I can recognize that's not the kindest way to communicate my internal state to her, which that like line is like a constant joke with us now. But at the time, I'm sure it was hurtful. I don't remember it being hurtful. I think I thought it was hilarious, actually. Wow, (laughs)
2: bitterness much? No, (laughs) (laughs) I'm
1: kidding. (laughs) Yeah.
2: No, like wow. I said, I'm like, I I don't know. I, I, I'm i like, I know it can be annoying. I guess my voice can be. Just, no, I'm just kidding.
0: That's hilarious. No, but
2: I have a quick question about human design. It's so interesting to me. So the difference between projectors and a manifesting generator, is that mostly around energy or can you say a little bit more about that?
0: Yeah. So it's definitely around energy and with manifesting generators that It's you have a defined sacral center and then it connects to the throat. And so there's a lot of energy that you carry and you're meant to be doing a lot of different things. Like you're meant to be testing out things, kind of multitasking, lots of different hobbies. And it's through just really having fun and playing with your interests that you can then discover, you know, where you are most useful in the world, and where your true, like, love for giving, will fall into to place. With the projector, though, we have lower energy levels because we're here not to necessarily do the work. And manifesting generators are here to do the work to build and create within the world and as projectors we're here to be guides so that requires less energy that requires us to really protect our energy as well though so that we can guide appropriately and you know to the best that the world is in need of and every single energy type has a role on this earth and so each role is very very special and unique in its own. And there isn't one energy type that is better than the other. But being a projector, that requires a lot of downtime. And that can be, you know, that can come across as sometimes rude, especially if you're someone who really just loves to be connected with others a lot of the time it's and that's why you know Carrie and I have shared how we sleep separately from our partners and how we've found that really just replenishes our soul <laughs> and our energy but a lot of the times it can be misunderstood just because of how different and it's not just the actual energy type it depends on what centers you have defined and undefined and also so much more involved within the profiles which is kind of your personality your character here so long story short yes the energy type which projector manifesting generator does have some to do with it but there's a lot more involved too but overall projectors are going to certainly need more time to themselves and more downtime. So I
2: think when we were younger your barbies were projectors then we would we would spend time you know setting up our barbie houses and we'd be playing when we were younger and once we got all set up inevitably my barbie would call her barbie and say hey do you want to do you want to come over i've made some dinner and your barbie would say we're just settling in to our new space. <gasps> so we would just sit there and she would <laughs> just be sitting with her Barbie. And I'm like, oh my God, I I've love done? this. This is, I this is really this.
1: fun. Yeah. Why, why are we playing? Yeah, My Barbies just wanted to be like cozy in their own home and not interacting with anyone. Oh my so gosh. Then my Carrie, Barbies that's amazing. Would, <laughs> my Barbies would have like. Some issue
2: going on between Ken and Barbie, and they have to go to therapy. (laughs) I was like, okay, I'll create my own drama here.
0: Like, I'm gonna just be over here creating drama. Well, you get settled in and cozy.
1: (laughs) My Barbie's reading a book on her couch. Exactly.
0: Wow. See,
1: story, true story. There it is. Like, multiple times we played, this was the dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. Every time. Yeah, every time.
2: You're like, like, we're really tired from moving. (laughs)
1: <laughs> we're gonna take a nap yes. they should have barbies of each energy type oh, barbie. Interesting generator barbie
0: I used to with my stuffed toys I used to always go through like oh I'm tucking you in bed like I always was getting them ready for bed <laughs> with all of my stuffed <laughs> toys like Morning time, you know, midday, whatever. I'm like, oh, we're gonna get ready for bed. We're gonna be
1: all that's a double whammy for you, Dominique because you're a type nine and a projector. Mm-hmm. sleep is very important to you. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh.
0: Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, don't get me started on that again. But
1: <laughs> well, and it was really helpful for me
2: to learn sleep-wise, because I'm a pretty good sleeper, but every now and then I'll have disruptive sleep. But after we chatted, you know, about human design and learning, oh, I have some you know a lot of energy reserves. And if I don't use up those, that energy, even though I might fall asleep pretty easily, it's, you know, needing to get out my energy and do that. I'm like, Oh, okay. You know, that, that makes sense. And it really does fit with our personalities and.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. I find that as I've talked to clients about the best sleep habits for them that, you know, just those little tips of like, okay, you know, expend your energy before you go to bed or like if you're a generator you need to like fully exhaust yourself before going to bed and uh Carrie and I have recently talked about how projectors it's best to go to bed before you're really tired so you can lie down supine for 30 minutes before going to sleep And it all has to do with how we rid our centers of the excess energy that we take in during the day. And that affects the sleep, whether you fall asleep well or not, or whether you stay asleep or not. So it's, that's really cool that that was something you found interesting, Casey.
2: Absolutely. And I'm curious, this thought just came to mind as you were talking about that, since human design is something based off of your birthday and time. Like if that would be important with infants and their sleep kind of patterns, if that would be helpful to new parents to learn their infant's human design to see if, you know, is there anything kind of around that that you've? So
0: read? the fascinating thing is that up to the eight, like birth to seven, they, and I'm just going off of what I have learned through the program that I went through is that the infant the baby is still developing its aura and so its energy type isn't fully developed just yet mm-hmm. so the um the the chart the body graph that we go off of is not fully formed so it's not going to really tie as closely in until the child becomes a little older so like that age of seven years and beyond all because of the the aura the Mm -hmm. creation of the aura that we carry Mm,
2: that makes sense
0: yeah it's kind of fascinating when i had learned that i was like oh wow okay just to think like the different stages that are happening as we're developing kind of like with the subconscious mind from the zero to seven the programming so that we're you know, learning to fit in with society and where a lot of our beliefs and values come from, the conditioning that we then carry, it all starts in that zero to seven range, right, Casey? Would you say that?
2: Yeah, no, definitely. Absolutely. And I don't, yeah, I think many of us were raised not knowing that it's <laughs> pretty set
0: that early. yeah Yeah. so it's it's interesting how it kind of goes hand in hand what i'm seeing with the human design the aura and then just how we are learning as human beings to fit in with society and just survive you know throughout that
1: well i think this whole conversation has been super fascinating i hope people listening found it entertaining or interesting And I just wanted to say thank you to Casey for coming on and being one of our first couple of guests on our baby podcast. I wanted to thank both of you
2: genuinely for discovering who you are and following your path because Dominique as a coach and now getting into human design and you getting into Enneagram has had a ripple effect on my life. You've both been so influential in my journey to discovering who I am. So thanks for being so courageous and stepping outside your, your comfort zone and what was familiar because it's having, it's had a huge impact on me.
0: Oh my gosh, this is so, (laughs) so exciting. Oh, thank you so much for those kind words, Casey. And again, thank you for opening up to our listeners and to us. And I just absolutely loved every moment working with you. And I'm so glad that we've been able to establish this friendship. And I'm just excited to see all of the beautiful changes that continue to happen within your life. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, please consider sharing it with friends and or family.
1: We'd be incredibly grateful if you rated and reviewed the podcast on your preferred listening platform as it really helps.
0: If you'd like to reach out to us, you can connect with us through our websites or Instagram, which are all linked in the show notes. We'd love to hear from you. Our theme song was written by Michael Ahrens.